You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Hello, welcome to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Its purpose is to dissect horror films, both old and new. We've been doing, as our local podcast listeners may be aware of, uh, a rundown every so often of the best horror film of uh, the particular year within the last decade. We are now at 2018. We're nearing the end. And we ran that podcast um, vote put it out to our social platforms and uh, you guys voted and the winner of that was Hereditary, um, which was uh, one of those kind of little, I, I feel like this film was a bit of a pot boiler kind of moment. Um, there was a lot of energy and stuff stirred up and there were people claiming it was the best horror film since The Shining um, and things like that. Um, and uh, you guys have voted for it to be number one. Whether or not we agree with you is part of the podcast and we will delve into the plot line and dissect and it. Wine to the end. Then you'll find out if we agree with you or not. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe not. Who sees? Um, but yeah, we'll, we will see. We'll get there. Uh, but before we do so, I'll introduce myself. I'm the host of the podcast. My name is Saul Muerte. And I'm joined uh, for this particular podcast episode by Anthony Big Cheese Yee. Welcome aboard, Ant. G'day. <clears throat> How you going, folks? Good to have you on board, and I know you're uh, one of the people that uh, actually, well, you and I actually both voted for um, different movies in the list um, that were given. And I, without, I should probably kind of run through that because it was a, it was a problem with democracy. It was, this is it, the inherent problem with democracy, right? Yeah, here. that's right. That's, that's right. Um, so, um, so yeah, this is the thing we um, we put out a list uh, of the vote, and we'll, I'll, I'll read through them now. Um, so, uh, we had a quiet place in there, um, which I know. Oh, was that in there? Yeah, that was in there. Was that there? I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think you did. Uh, wait, <laughs> uh, I, I, got, I didn't scroll up. Yeah, it's in there under A. Sorry. Yeah. So, I know you voted for that one. And my theory, and it's a great movie. Um, my theory is that it may be too sci-fi, too, uh, popcorn. Um, for the uh, horror fans out there, maybe. Um, I found I found I found people focused on the minutia. Those who didn't like it didn't get it. Steve Curry, yeah, um, yeah, focused on the minutia of it too much. Of like, hang on, if they can do this, then why don't they just do that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but it wasn't. They weren't sort of trap-sized plot holes to me. They were stuff that if you wanted to be the filmmaker, you could defend those plot holes quite easily. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only one for me was like. Why don't they live under one? Why don't they live near a waterfall? Because my oh. thing, these, animals, these creatures can hear noise and stuff. They should live near a waterfall. Yeah. That was the only one that we go, huh? But they didn't focus on the concept that if you can't talk, which is what the film was, what we're yep. setting it, then, then how do you, yeah, how do you communicate if someone's trying to kill you? And the actual rest of it, the execution and everything else is brilliant. Like, really. Yeah, brilliant. yeah. Yeah, no, look, I, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, it's, yeah. it's a good flick. Um, but yeah, there we go. So uh, didn't didn't win out, but that's fine. Um, and we also had Halloween in there. The uh, the 2018 kind of re envision from the Blumhouse team was. Would you the- like that as well? I like that too. It's a good movie. Um, still, it still wasn't the one I voted for. But um, <laughs> no. Uh, but look, I guess that's the point. Like, there's some good kind of solid contenders in in this year. So it was um, a good year. It was a good year. So we had Hereditary, as, as you know, that's the winning vote. We had Insidious, The Last Key, which was the fourth installment from the Insidious franchise. Uh, again, a Blumhouse film. That was all right. It was good. And I, from my point of view, um, it 
it helped complete that story arc from um, the Lichey kind of the psychic kind of character. Uh, yeah. But it kind of, it, yeah, it was good from that point of view. As a standalone movie, maybe not so much, but I, I felt like for completionists, it was good. Um, now, this is the one I voted for, uh, Mandy, which was the Nick Cage gone batshit crazy with some hallucinogenic kind of visuals that throw in the mix. For me, this was like uh, the big boss on acid. Um, so, um, and I loved it. I, I thought, like, I... And I always come from something like where I, I want to be rewarded with something I've not seen before. And this really mm. served to that. So, and that's why this one was definitely my front runner. Um, it was, it wasn't. I had to be uh, in the mood to, sorry. I had to be in the mood to see that one. Yeah, you do. It, and you're right. Yeah. And I would, I would agree with that. And um, it's one of the, it is one of those movies you have to really be in the mood for to kind of mm. go on that journey. Um, I mean, I've got it. I've got it on Blu-ray. Um, and I don't think I've actually watched it yet. So that's a kind of, even though I love the movie, yeah. I, yeah. it's, I, I know that it'll come a point where I'm going to go, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the mood for that kind of, that kind of stuff. So I'm going to stick that on. Okay. So then we have a French kind of rape revenge thriller called Revenge. Um, <laughs> and um, I thought you were going to say French revenge, French revenge thriller. French <laughs> revenge thriller. The French revenge thriller. Yeah. Um, that was all right too. That's set in the desert, right? Yeah, I, I really like that one. And, and, and I thought the rape scene was actually kind of tastefully done. It wasn't, it wasn't too kind of in your face. If such a thing can be tastefully done, yes. Yes, exactly. No, exactly, yeah. Um, and it was kind of insinuated more than, or implied rather than, we don't actually kind of see anything, which I know certain other films have gone down that road and you and I are uh, people that don't really warm to that kind of stuff. So. No. Um, so I thought in this instance it was good and the revenge kind of component was compelling and, and you know, on the edge of your seat, it was good. Um, then we get Suspiria, which was the remake that kind of Suspiria. came out. Suspiria. Suspiria, Suspiria. I saw that um, with you and yeah. Ben Skinner, but Ben Skinner was on his phone the whole time. Ben, and yet he loved it, apparently. Yeah, so he's just, he's just, he's, he's in the scene. He's in it for the scene. He doesn't actually fucking watch films. He doesn't watch these things. He, he um, <laughs> I'm part of the podcast. I'm so cool. The, uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a fan. Like, as from a drama point of view, it was good, but from a horror point of view, no, not good. Um, nah. And then we have The Strangers Pray at Night, which was the sequel to The Strangers. Um, this was kind of okay. Like, as far as, um, you know, like slasher th- um, thrillers go, there were some weak moments, but it was very popcorn, um, cheese on toast kind of fair. Uh, but I, I didn't mind that so much. Um, like cheese on toast. Yeah, oh, cheese on toast is good every so often. Um, then we have Unsane, jam. Unsane which was uh, the Steven Soderbergh shot film entirely on a phone, iPhone. Uh, with I think uh, I think the boy. correct term is huh? insane. In, uh, no, it's it's unsane. Um, is it? Oh, yeah. Apparently, I never, can I just say I never got the term undead. Ah, because yeah. it's like. It's the undead. I'm like, does that make them alive? As, as a kid, I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah, but they, that, that's right. They are supposed to be dead, but they're not. So they're the undead. So they're alive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just say alive. But they've died. Look at their zombies. They're alive. They're done. <laughs> okay. Problem solved. Next question. Uh, and then the last one was Upgrade, which I've still not seen. Oh, I've yet to see that. Yeah. It's supposed to be amazing, yeah. Yeah. Lee Winnell. It's, um, it's, it's uh, Winnell, yeah. He's, yeah. And I, I like him as a storyteller. I like yeah. uh, Both I, him um, and Juan are very good. 
but I think Winall gets underrated a bit of just how good a storyteller he is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm really looking forward to his Invisible Man, which is coming out in 2020. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. That's all the trailer for that. I like um Zoe Bartlett, I call her. <laughs> She'll always be Zoe Bartlett to me. <laughs> Zoe Bartlett the handmaiden. Yes. Yeah. And my mind's gone blank as to her name, but I know <laughs> What's it? Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen? No. Thanks. <laughs> Windsor? I don't know. Ah, one of those. Fill in the blank. Um, <laughs> we, yeah. are film, uh, we are experts in film, as you can tell yeah, by this. Yeah, one. that's right. Totally, totally mind blank. Can't, I can see it. Like, to me, she's Mad Men, but there, there you go. Um, oh, yeah, she's the, yeah, Mad Men chick. Yeah, Elizabeth. She's Zoe Bartlett, handmaiden. That's a Mad Men. Yeah. yeah. That's it, that's it. That's Get out. Also, good at us as well. You guys voted for Hereditary. Um, and we're, we'll um, have that now. Do you, do do you have a minimum number or maximum number of how many films you pick every year? Or just have just have me ten for this year. Uh, I try and aim for ten. Yeah, I started off. I started off doing a bit more than that, but I think people felt overwhelmed. So I try and condense it to ten. Yeah. And do you, and is it your top ten, or you go off box office sales, or you go off critics? It's a bit of it's a bit of both. Yeah, like um, I kind of kind of get. A, I mean, I I try and watch all of them. And ah, yeah, that helps. Get a kind of a feel for it, but I kind of get a consensus from what I've seen and and the buzz. Because sometimes there are movies that I throw in there that I just go, yeah, I, I never really clicked with that, but I know it had success. Right. Um, cool. I mean, th- and this is kind of one of them, Hereditary. Like you know, I, I as I said, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of it. That's not to say I mm-hmm. don't like it. It's just I wasn't a yeah. huge fan. But like it's um, boiler. But it, it it did get a good. It got a good. I mean, there there are people that voted for it, they, you know, and it's got it's gotten good reviews. You got on um, a lot of any of these kind of movie review kind of rated shows, and then um, or websites. Sorry, then you kind of you can see for yourself that it's it's got a good following. Mm. And here's the thing, like uh, so, like with the um, um, what's it? Ari Aster, isn't it? The uh, the director. I should, yeah. I should have looked that up. Um, but he's, um, this was his first kind of feature length film. Um, yeah, Ari Aster. Um, and I, um, but there was enough there about him in this film that made me want to go and see his uh, follow up, which uh, he's, you know, sophomore outing, which came out this year called Midsummer. Um, and, I, like. and I really like that film. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that film is a better film than this one. Right. So, um, so it kind of indicates to me that he's, he's still going to be a director to kind of keep an eye on and watch. Guy, I just saw, I saw Dr. Sleep recently. And yeah. He, he made that Flanagan? Flanagan. Yeah. And you're a big, you're a big fan of his, aren't you? A huge fan of Flanagan's. Yeah. Cause what else has he done? He's done... All oh, right, so he did um, Absentia, Oculus. Right, which we are, he's the Absentia guy, which yeah. Miles is a massive fan of. Yeah, it's, uh, it's he, fine. Did, uh, he did Before I Wake. He did this, he did the, uh, you know, the, um, the Haunting of Hill House uh, series. Yes, that's why, which is why the dad from Hill House is Jack Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> he did everything. That's a really odd casting choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody with the right sort of makeup could look like Jack Nicholson, and he kind of did. But he's vo- the thing that, that got me when I saw it was like, why isn't this working? It's the voice. Yeah. Jack's voice. Yeah. Jack's voice is unique. 
Um, which clearly, because I can't do it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Batman. Yeah, stop. Um, stop. I just, I, I thought, thought, because I hinted at him for such a long time before you saw his face, and even then yeah. you don't really see his face. But they should have chosen an actor who could have done his voice, I think, would have been cool. Even though you don't have to duplicate him exactly, I, know, I get it, but mm. he was just... Just that the guy who I grew up watching as a child actor for so long was like, that's a really odd choice to be Jack. Yeah, but then he does because he's been in a lot of Flanagan stuff because he was also he was also in uh, Gerald's Game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah that was the other big one. Been used a lot. Yeah. So to me, should have done as a cameo for Jack. Yeah, it It should have been Jim Carrey. (laughs) No, but he's so Jim Carrey. But, listen, but the thing is, because they've done a deep fake recently of him, Jim Carrey being Jack in The Shining. That deep yeah, fake, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. And you could, yeah, it just he has the energy of Jack being angry and stuff. So anyway, just anything yeah. we do to talking about hereditary. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let let's get into hereditary. Um, so um, here's the thing. So I'm going to pre- preface this by yeah. Look, before it came, because in Australia, from a memory of that, it came out a little bit after. The rest it of did. the world. Yeah. So we were already getting a lot of the buzz. The hype. And the hype around it. And as I said, everyone kind of saying it's the scariest thing since The Shining and a, a lot of proclamations. And I always get my back up with that stuff anyway. So I was coming, <laughs> I was coming into the movie kind of going, all right. And I think a lot of people did this because it was so overhyped. I think a lot yeah. of people went, like particularly horror fans, went in going, all right, let me see what Fucking you can scare us. Yeah. This is you can't see this kids at home, but Paul's Paul's like this is what he was like when he saw the movie. He he sat there and he was arms folded and he was like face the whole time. Go on then. Nah, yeah, no, fucking scary. Yeah. yeah fucking that, scary. Was, that was what Saul was like. And that's yeah. the problem because it's not a scary film, right? No, it's not. It's a fucking mind fuck. It's, it's not, not meant film. to be scary. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And yeah. so um and so I my thing is is that I think the um, the distribution house kind of um, sold this to the wrong audience a little. The marketing, bit. you mean the marketing people? Are like this is our angle, and you think? Yeah, yeah. So, can I just say something here? And then because even even the uh, even the trailer makes it out that there's something to do with the the daughter being possessed or something, right? Yeah, she's never possessed. Um, <laughs> Never in the film, really. No. And that, that was the big shock for me, and we'll probably get to that in a sec. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So, so I... I Don't lose out. your head over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, whoa. So, yeah, I was a bit... I was left a little bit miffed with it. Um, and I also found the ending a bit over the top and predictable. Having said that, a little, a little, little, a little Wicker Man for me. The end, but I love the Wicker Man, right? You so know, I, but I don't. <laughs> and I like, I like films about the occult too. I, it's probably like second to psychological horror. Probably is my go-to. I kind of, I will, I will cl- gladly watch an occult film, even a shit occult film. I will watch. Um, yeah. So, um, but I just—that's what I mean. I just found the ending a bit. It fell into predictable territory, and this is why I—I I feel *Midsummer* is a better film um, right. from, from a narrative point of view. I felt like he's learned a few things um, yeah. as a director, and and he's—and you can see. Let's get to the plot of *Hereditary*. All right, here we go. 
Throughout the first three months of 2020, most of Earth's human and animal populations have been annihilated by sightless extraterrestrials. No. The creatures attack anything no. that makes respects hypersensitive. No. <laughs> Fine. You're right. Okay, here he is. This is hereditary. Okay. The Abbott family, wife Evelyn, husband Lee, congenitally deaf daughter Regan, and sons Marcus and Bo. Um, excuse me. <laughs> We're taking questions at the end we of the podcast. Not, we are not doing a quiet place. Okay. We've been overruled, man. The, the people have spoken. We are, we're going to do hereditary. Again, problem with democracy. <laughs> we all could learn from Trump, I'm just saying. We learn, all learn from America. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Of, do you think most Americans voted in this, pod, in this, in this thing? Yeah. Voted? Yeah. Yeah, most of our followers are from America, actually. So, yeah, I do think that. Yeah. There you go. Ah. Mm. Ah. Okay. Ah. There's a whole load of backstory to uh, to hereditary that we don't kind of we're, we're not really told. It's kind of underlying, but we'll, I, I, if I can slip it in at relevant places, I'll try to. Um, if not, I'll I'll just kind of compile it at the end and kind of say well, this is meant to have happened and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's always strange we come into a movie where there's a lot of backstory and you're yeah. supposed to piece it together through dialogue, and you're like to the point where it's so dense, you're like, did I miss a prequel yeah, yeah, to yeah. this? And that's um, and that's what I meant by like like on the second viewing of this film, I did appreciate it a lot more because I kind of understood what was going on a, a little bit more, um, particularly with the cult and everything. So I kind of went, ah, oh, okay. Um, so, but we do open up with the caption, um, and we learn that the matriarchal kind of figure has passed away, their grandmother, um, and we're told. And I've got the thing here. It says Ellen Taper Lee. 78, passed away a prolonged illness at her daughter Annie's house on April 3rd, 2018. The, the key thing there, prolonged illness. So she's obviously been sick for a long time. Um, beloved wife of the late Martin Lee, RIP, devoted, and that's important that their father's died, devoted mother of Annie Lee Graham and the late Charles Lee, who is her brother, who also died, which is also important with backstory, which I'll come to yes. at some point. Cherished grandmother of Peter Graham and Charlie Graham. So that's the... Uh, the two kids. The two kids. She is also survived by her son-in-law, Dr. Stephen Graham, uh, Gabriel Byrne, um, in this instance. Um, she will be missed. Reposing at uh, Kingston Funeral Home, Friday, 10 a.m., 12 p.m. Funeral service to be held on Saturday, 10 a.m. Burial will take place at Spring Blossom Cemetery. So we're given that as our kind of uh, opening uh, titles essentially and then that's when we are presented with our, our lead character which is annie played by tony collette and she's she's really good in this gotta say she's pretty she's australian australian she's australian um, mate australian. Australian. um she's really really good in this i have to i really have to stress that um and uh she kind of in her she's got this kind of um not a soliloquy it is a soliloquy but she's what is it um when you're asked to speak Eulogy. yeah thank Eulogy. you <laughs> man my mind went blank that's a good start um so yeah she has this eulogy at the beginning and so this is where she talks about her her a little bit about her father and and there are hints um of uh mental illness in the family um but we later learned that it's not necessarily that. It was more kind of like a gaslighting. Um, uh, and the fact that this uh, grandmother figure was 
um, in league with a satanic cult and was trying to manipulate certain things, um, which kind of uh, was a lot of the, well, the other members of the family were, were unaware of what was going on, essentially. And it played on their mind. Um, and so, so much so that they kind of questioned their own sanity. And then we get an essence of that with Annie's character as we unfold. <clears throat> yeah, she's um, a bit, she's a bit um, conflicted. You get the sense yeah. of, her mother, her, the, of the mother's passing. And, um, and the family is a little, well, which family is normal, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. It, it permeates how they behave, permeates how she communicates to her kids, yeah. permeates her relationship with her husband. Because yes. um, he seems to be the guy that's trying to keep things together. Yeah, pretty much. Um, because he's yeah. later informed that Ellen's grave has been desecrated and he kind of keeps it a secret from her from, yeah. from memory. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. what we actually learn on that as well, in case we forget to mention it later on, is that the, the grave has actually been dug up and grandmother's body has been removed. Uh, and it, I guess that qualifies for desecration. Yeah. <laughs> Did somebody take yeah. that body out? Yeah. Oh, she had somebody stolen her body. Oh, I can't believe it. Just, uh, just cover it up, bro. Just cover it up. Just put it. Just put the dirt back in. No one know. All right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, so the bit, we do need to kind of address Charlie. So she's the young daughter. So a lot of people, as I said, thought she was possessed, but she's not at this point. She is not possessed. Um, she um, has. Um, she's just a bit quirky and a bit kind of. You know, she's what. Uh, Supposed to be thirteen years old. Supposed to be thirteen. Yeah, comes across as a bit younger. Yeah, she does, um, and, and, and has uh, allergies. All right. Is she? Is she? Is she? I thought she was. I thought she, she was mentally disabled. But is that not right? Or it's never. It's not really ever implied that that's definitely the case. But she, I think she's definitely got learning disabilities of some kind. Right. Right. right? Mm. So it's never really. It's, I mean, I guess that's not really the point. Um, yeah, um, you know, it's just that she is an easy target. She's had a bit of a weird upbringing. Um, it's later revealed that the grandmother breastfed her rather than the mum. Right, yeah. Insistence. So there is kind of like a there's a weird kind of stuff going on, which yeah. may or may not have impacted on her her own upbringing, and maybe that's why she's reserved and quirky as well. Um, yeah. But I guess the important thing is that you know, yeah, she has this nut allergy, and we we get that at the beginning of the wake of the grandmother's wake where uh the father kind of says there's no she's eating chocolate and she says and he says to her there's no nuts in that and she says no and then when tony collette comes in she reiterates it she says there's no nuts in there is there because we don't have the pen um yeah so yeah sowing the seeds early that's important yes yeah um we at some point have a point where the Annie is going through the boxes and stuff. I can't remember what mm. point this happens, but she's going through boxes and she sees a letter from her grand, uh, from grandma Lee, um, which is addressed for her. And it says, my darling, dear, beautiful Annie, forgive me all the things I could not tell you. Please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see in the end that they were worth it. Our sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. Love mummy. <laughs> Um, which is a bit of an odd thing to write to your daughter. Um, <laughs> all that kind of comes, uh, and I'm just laying that down as the seeds as well early on. So we have the funeral scene. We come back to the house. We see uh, Annie working on this art installation kind of project, which is like this 
uh, miniature kind of houses and things that represent. She's an expert. Yeah, she makes she makes miniatures. That's a that's a job, right? Yeah, but it's like, but they're for art. This definitely for an art thing because there's there's a art uh, some kind of art um, place. Oh my god, my mind installation. Yeah, but there's an actual place that houses art installations. Galleries. Uh, gallery. Yay! Oh, God, I'm, I'm on fire. You're crushing it today. Uh, I'm on fire. A bit like uh, Gabriel Byrne. Ooh, spoilers! Um, hey! What? So, um, yeah, so look, he... What was I saying? So, yeah, look, she does those for these galleries, and essentially. So at the moment, she's working on this artwork, and it's these miniatures, and they represent pivotal moments in her life and in doing that we get a window into her life too because we kind of see these odd little scenes and there's a weird ghost moment when she yeah. goes into the room or something yeah so that's what i was about to say so um yeah so we she sees as she goes to leave to go to bed she sees uh, an apparition of her mum in the corner of the room when she's turned the light off when she turns back on no one there um lights out lights out Ooh. um Ooh. Um, but I remember thinking I remember thinking that was kind of well done and I thought oh this could be kind of a decent sort of horror thing yeah. but I thought it would be more conventional horror at this point yes same same I was thinking the same thing at this point too I was like oh okay yeah something yeah. quirky about grandma um, yeah. and it's going to lead to so look the, the key thing is that this is indicating that there's some kind of weird stuff that's about to lay effect this is our first um, moment where we're, we're presented with something that, that's of a supernatural bent um when this happens and we don't know whether or not it is it supernatural or is this part of what's going on in mind yeah yeah um and even when she goes to bed she says to the husband like i just uh scared myself in the um in the study or where it is she does her miniature things and he and he and he kind of goes to listen but she doesn't offer anything and he just goes no and she just shakes her head as it like to shake it off sort of thing yeah. Um, enough. we also have like moments where there are these weird writings on the wall as well I don't know like where like there's little work and we see it in the um, Charlie's room uh, where there's like this um, uh, a word that's written up there what we later find out down the track is that these are like invocations um, mm. or um, that are written around and they're ways to ready the house if you will to invoke this demon called Paymon um, and I'll talk a bit more about Paymon down the track too because he's a real figure um, which I found really interesting I read a bit about him um, so there are these kind of things that are kind of we only see some of them along the way we get the call from the cemetery which is the bit that you were talking about with the desecration um, and then we get Annie going to the support group for the first time for uh, people that have lost their loved ones. Yeah. It's unknown, but I was trying to scan this to see if Joni, Joni, the Joni character, which we will talk about a bit later on, whether she was in that room at the time. I was trying to see if she was or not, but I couldn't see her. But that may have been a deliberate choice not to do that. But she's there, and this is where she talks about how she's afraid that she might be becoming a bit mentally sick too. Um, yes. and uh, offers some of the things. She mentions about her dad um, dying. Oh, that's right. He died from starvation, is what she says, uh, from a psychotic depression. Um, 
it's probably like it's kind of implied that there's more to that than that and like hinted at a bit later on that it was potentially because of um he did that because of what grandma was doing um and that the brother committed suicide um again it's hinted at this stage that it was because of um mental issues um but a bit kind of implied deeper underneath that he uh did this he left a suicide note blaming the the mom the grandmother um of putting people inside him so again hinting that she had plans of trying to resurrect this kind of demon character called Paymon using her son and that kind of didn't work and so the family it's also learned that the family put on a bit of a block on grandma to not let her visit after Peter was born um, and they only lift that block they so they you know stopped her from coming to see her they only lift that when Charlie was born so when Peter was a bit older no explanation of why they yeah know, why did they do that for yeah, yeah. So she'll just try and keep stuffing people into Peter. Yeah. God damn it. Um, so yeah. So anyway, so that kind of meant that grandma came back and started trying to get her taps into Charlie, the daughter instead. Cool. So all that's kind of a little bit like unto unpack there. Then we get another little bit of an indication of things to come when we have Charlie at school and she's kind of fiddling with this, some kind of toy thing, um, which turns out to be like a bit of a figurine thing that she's making um and then all of a sudden a pigeon flies into the window of the school um and then charlie then goes she grabs some scissors later on goes out and yes the pigeon's head off head off now the decapitation thing is an ongoing theme which i will then talk about at the end as well um mm. but she kind of uses the pigeon's head uh with a crown on it and puts it on her little sculpture thing that she's kind of made <laughs> that's a nice touch yeah we also because we are following charlie a lot at this point too so we think she's central to the thing yeah we led that's the thing we kind of led to oh right the story is going to be around this character um she's in her room she sees the light kind of passing through this is actually this light is actually the presence of Paymont, the demon uh, yeah, because this yeah. is interesting. Because I remember we when we did the the uh, ages ago a haunted house tour yes. podcast. Uh, at some point, you saw light running across the room. You thought uh, during that room that was the, with the nurse in it. Uh, are we, which remind me, are we talking Q station? Yeah, Q station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yes, I did. Yeah. And it's interesting, yeah, how yeah a light is associated with yeah a spirit or something. Or yeah. Something. Well, they often talk about, I mean, like there's arguments about this when, when people capture orbs on photography and a lot of people say these are just dust particles yeah, uh, and all that stuff. But when you kind of see something a bit weird <laughs> like that in person, it, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> so, the, but the key thing of this is this is the moment. So up to, the, up to this point, what we have seen of Charlie has just been Charlie. Mm. Um, this point on, she's under the control of Paymont. Oh, okay. I didn't and get that. So, no, I didn't get that too. It was only through reading. Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So this is where, because Paymont has temporarily con- taken control of Charlie when she goes outside in that kind of chance thing and sees Grandma Lee sitting with a, a ring of fire around her. Right. Um, 
So this is kind of all Paymon. Sorry, Charlie's now kind of the body's kind of under control of Paymon. Not completely. Don't get me wrong. She's not completely under. But it, this mm. is showing to us that he has control of her and can manipulate her um, accordingly. Uh, it kind of gets a bit more... Um, this bit makes a bit more sense when you get to the point where um, Peter comes involved. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we get, so we're about half an hour in. Okay. So she's gone outside, as I said, at this point, uh, Annie comes, grabs her in cause she's walking around barefoot. And, uh, there's a moment where Peter's saying that he wants to go out for this kind of, he says a barbecue, but it's, it's where yes. he's going to get drunk. He's yep. not, he's not actually into drinking. He's more into, uh, some of the old wacky backy and that's what, and mm-hmm. he's also interested in a particular girl that's going. Um, so he really wants to go. And uh, Annie basically kind of makes Charlie go with him, even though Charlie doesn't want to go. Um, and Charlie suffering from social uh, anxiety, among other things. Um, so she goes along with, with Peter to this party. Uh, uh, eats a cake. And then she eats a cake. Uh, basically, Peter, like, he was trying to fob her off because he's gotten this opportunity to go to um, hang out with this girl and some guys and smoke some weed um and obviously charlie's hanging on so he kind of fobs her off because he knows knows he likes chocolate but unfortunately the cake contains nuts um oh what the fuck yeah Uh, it wasn't m&ms it was peanut m&ms in the cake what a thing well we actually see we actually see again the precursors as they get as you know the background earlier on in that scene we we see uh people chopping up uh walnuts um, mm. in the background so yeah we know that are, that's what i'm saying there are things that, that are the later scenes that kind of make this clearer than it is so she eats the cake and then she slowly starts to struggle to breathe she comes to find peter who's doped out to the eyeballs and says my, it feels like my throat's closing peter and like i feel you really feel bad for peter <laughs> like yeah because like yes he's he's under the influence but he he switches on straight away and yes unfortunately he doesn't have the epipen again um you yeah. think you'd take that with you? Um, you well, yeah. If you go outside, you know, particularly for periods of time where, therefore, you're going to consume food for fuel. Yes, that's it. You yeah. would take an epipen just as yeah. a standard. It's, just, it's your wallet, your keys, yeah, um, yeah. and your phone. Epipen. You just have a full thing. You always take. Just do it. Just do it. Anyway, more full then. She's in the anaphylactic shock. Yeah. And so he grabs her in the car, drives drives yeah. off, and he starts speeding down the road. And she, as you do, if she can't breathe, yeah. tries to literally, she winds down the window and sticks her head out of the window because she's trying to get air into her lungs. Yeah. Um, it's always weird. You did that as a kid, not stick your head out the window, but like in the back of the car, wind the window down and let yeah. wind just rush up your mouth. Yeah, mate. It, yeah. It does like keep drowning, but you're not. I, um, I've got this thing about wind. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've gone to see the doctor. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I think, um, I, I think of, of all the elements, I'm kind of drawn to air. And I, I can't, like, when I'm driving in a car, I can't be in a stuffy car. I, I, need, yeah, right. I need airflow. And, like, obviously, yeah. aircon does that. But sometimes I need that natural wind feel. So, yes, okay. I used to do that a lot, yes. Um, You're an air sign. Yeah, there you go. I am. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so... Um, she sticks her head out the window and uh, all of a sudden uh, there's some kind of dead animal in the middle of the road. 
Yes, which is swerves to avoid. Peter swerves to avoid, high. spins off, and uh, just coincides with this pole, uh, yeah, pole, which decapitates Charlie Kellina. Man. And he is in a massive state of shock, which you yeah. Um Yeah, and the timing of it all. So, but before I go to this, the next couple of, the next kind of impact of that, obviously the pigeon thing foreshadowed that with her head being decapitated and stuff. So, mm. another instance of decapitation happening. Um, but before we get to like the next bit, I just want to mention something. So on the way to the party, we see the car drive past this pole. Yes. And it stops on that, you know, like the car goes past, like we're following the car, but yeah. it stops on the pole and the car continues. Yeah. On that pole is a symbol which represents King Paimon. All right. Which to me is kind of a nice touch because it's kind of like going like, you know, this is an indicator of like Paymon being in control. This pole is going to be significant and he's in control of events that are going to transpire and lead up to this moment yeah. in time. But this is why I said at the beginning, there is, it does heavily rely on the suspension of disbelief in order for you to go, yeah, that's feasible. Um, so, and you just got to kind of ride with it. But I do like that moment. And I wasn't aware of that until um, I'm going to mention him in case he's listening because he's a new listener. Um, and it's through a, a son, a friend, son of, uh, sorry, I'm going to say that again. It's through um, a friend's son who really loves horror films and his name's Max. Um, and uh, yeah, he, she said, apparently he had said to me, did I know about that? And I didn't. And so when I watched it this time around, I was looking for it and I went, oh, fuck. Yeah, there it is. So I didn't even notice it was on there until that was mentioned to me. But yeah, cool. Maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> so so then Peter goes. This, uh, this whole bit, yeah, go this on. whole bit really quite. Yeah, it's it's shocking, horrific, horrific. It's, really, horrific. it's horrific as but, well as horrific. Thing, it's quite horrific. Um, <laughs> but we, again, it's it's weird how the universe syncs up shit. Yeah, uh, we've been talking about this. Last time we had a podcast, we talked about the shock factor of killing a kid. Yes. Which is a go-to area. Yes. And, and it was like the, big, the first film that we knew, we knew about it was uh, Precinct 13, the original one. Where yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw one, Precinct 13. Shock, and that was decades ago. Yeah. And that's what made that film stand out. No other film has sort of done that, not really. Yeah. And then we've got this film where they decapitate a kid. We just talked about Dr. Sleep, which we've both seen recently where they, yeah, yeah, that's torture, right. Like torture porn a kid. Yeah. And there's another one. Oh yeah. A quiet place where an alien kills a kid, uh, in the first few minutes of the film. Uh, yeah, but we don't, you. we don't see that though, do we? No, we don't, but it is a shock thing. Cause they, yeah, they it is a shock thing. You're right. Yeah. This, which this is like a land shark. Bring in another yeah. film that I watched recently, which was ready or not. Um, mm. the two kids in that, get killed at the uh, spoilers get killed at the end um and we don't actually see them we just see the blood blow up yeah part of it but that's it. i think it's all well, killing the kids although it's seeing the kid get killed yeah but with her the, the kid that gets decapitated mm. you do eventually see the head yeah we um, do yeah because yeah, the guy much. the kid yeah about the, yeah that, that is very powerful stuff because the kid the peter 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 drives back home yeah and then gets out of the car closes the car and just decides to go to bed because what else are you going to fucking do? You just yeah, decapitate yeah, yeah. your sister. The guy's like, 
in such shock yeah that's such right shock. and it's only stone so he's not 100 percent. no that's right and I, and I really love the fact that we stay on him too we and yeah. we hear the parents getting up and we hear annie going oh okay i'm just gonna go off to work yeah um, yeah yeah you know, <laughs> and uh, oh and actually just before he as he goes to bed when he comes home you actually hear um annie uh say to the husband she goes oh um oh they're home and you see hear him say oh good um yeah. but they've obviously been listening out for him but you know yeah as you do, as as you do. yeah yeah so anyway so we again hear the audio in the morning when they get up and we're just focused on his face and then you hear her go downstairs and just that wailing um yeah and this is a, and we see that also afterwards when you know she's on the floor, kind of crouched in fetal position, and the husband's trying to soothe her um, through it all, and she's just the wailing of despair, um, yeah, and grief. And this is obviously something that Ariaster's interested in because it does come up in Midsummer. There's a very right. early on, uh, so it's no spoilers. Early on, there is a scene where uh, there was also a character going through a heavy amount of grief. And she wails. Um, so it's interesting. I just find that as a common thread that might be interesting to see if grief is a common factor in the movies. It's a, well, it's, it's a, an intense thing to direct anybody and it's yeah. an intense thing for an actor to go through. Yeah. Um, right. I remember uh, Final Destination 2. Remember those, yes. shows, those movies? There's yes. one bit. Yeah. Final Destination 2 is actually surprisingly good in some areas. Like... The big tragedy that sets off the beginning of that film because it's always, it's always an accident that kills a bunch yeah, of people. Yeah, that's right. Would have if one of them didn't have a premonition. And this one was a big cut, a big pile, which they shot for real mm. as best as possible. So it's really quite a spectacular Michael Bay-ish type car accident that piles up and kills a bunch of people. Yeah. And then the, the reality is they don't, they don't die like they should have, so therefore death comes comes after each one of them. Yes. Two of the people that death comes after is a mother and a son, and the son's about. 16 and the mum's uh, a Canadian actress. Um, uh, and the way they kill the son is they, because the son should have died first, and so the son dies before the mother. So, the way death kills the son is that he drops a great big uh, glass sheet from a building that's been constructed. Oh, yeah, it's that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pancakes him right in front of her eyes. Yeah. And, um, and she's like, what the fuck? And she knows she's next. And anyway, and, um, and then there's an elevator scene. It's at this particular point the entire group believes, and they all catch up that this is a real thing because I think the son was the third one, the third victim to die. Right. And so they, the, the, the plan is they all give each other mobile phones to stay in touch with each other. If they see anything, they all be, they develop some sort of buddy system. And so they all split up and the mother goes back in the elevator with one of the other characters and goes down the lift and she's in shock. Yes. And the son died. And then the DVD commentary said that this, this woman's a Canadian actress, amazing actress, and the first take, she's just like devastated, wailing, just in horror. And they're like, and they had to ask her to turn it down. <laughs> it was too much. It was too much for this horror for this horror film. It was like because it's a schlock horror film. It's all about the, the shtick, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so she's more. And the actual take you see in the elevator, she's just still, very still, very much in shock, not really listening. But the first take, she was just broken because she's a serious actress, right? And they're yeah, like, she's yeah, too yeah. good. They're like, they literally said, you're too good. Go. Okay, it's Sunday. Jeez, you you realise it's not that good a yeah, film. They, yeah, <laughs> because she said, because yeah, that was the direction. Your son's just died, what do you do? So she fucking, well, she wild, she lost it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's a downer. Yeah, sorry, can you just dial it back a bit? <laughs> so I just, I didn't think, I was thinking that. Because I remember when I was a kid, I, when I, was, I think I was a kid, I saw it in my 30s or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. was like, yeah, that's full on. Like, why is she 
I get that she's in shock, but shouldn't she be a bit more if her son is like, yeah, that's that thing of like, yeah, yeah. There's how you behave in real life if you're in a being chased by a guy with a chainsaw and a hockey mask. Yes. Or how you react in the, or how you react in the movie Eagle. It's a bit. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah and I guess, and I guess that's what makes this film does stand out with some people. Yeah. Why, why it's why it's um, Kubrick esque in that yes. they decided, well, what if a woman found that her mother was decapitated, her son was, her daughter was decapitated. Yeah. How will you react? Yeah, and yeah. Tony Collette is the sort of actress who can pull just it off. Brings right? it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's what I meant. Like, you know, I, I, I think this, this movie is definitely better than I gave it credit for. Um, and I will kind of slightly go. I mean, there are points that I still disagree with, but um, I, I do think it warrants more than the one viewing. And I think I appreciate it more for watching the second time around. And these yeah. moments are exactly why I was just like, yeah, that's that's a pretty harrowing moment. I remember it being harrowing, and you know, when I first watched it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the aftermath more, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and that kind of that moment basically concludes the the end of the first act, really. Mm. Um, from there on in, this is where the cult kind of start getting their their uh, pause in, if you will, and we meet Joan, um, who, oh. as it turns out is the uh, second in charge of this cult. So the, obviously the one in charge was Grandma. Two uh, I see. Yeah, two I see. She's like, I'm here. I'm back with a brand new mission. Oh, no, that's been their eyes. Um, and, yeah, so we, we're introduced to her. So we, we don't, at this stage, we aren't aware that she is part of the cult. Um, and, you know, as much as I... Um, I do like I'm gonna, uh, her name's Anne Dowd, um, the lady that plays Joan. Um, mm. I, I do like her as an actress, but I felt there were moments in this where she was really over the top and I, not believable because yeah. of that. Well, she comes across initially as a sympathetic good guy. Yeah, and that bit I, was fine. It's just when the yeah. tables start turning a bit. Um, uh, it's when she meets her again at the outside. You know, the uh, tall, uh, not the arts and crafts place. Yeah, right. Um, and she kind of does that whole milk, milking things on. And I just kind of went, I, for, when I remember when I was watching it the first time, going, uh, and then when I rewatched it this time, I went, oh, it really feels really false. And okay. it, I don't know whether that's because you know it's false. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I think it's a kind of, yeah, it's a kind of the point, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah, it's interesting yeah. giving, giving an actor, like, yeah, you're, you're being sincere in your sympathy to somebody. Now be sincere, but with an ulterior motive. It's that level of, yeah, the, the, the difference is just acting in the eyes and then, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the smiling with it without smiling around the eyes. It's, some actors nail it, some actors don't. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, now, she's, she's the bad woman in The hand, Handmaid's Tale, right? She's oh, is she? Right. She's the, yeah, she's I, the makeup. I, I, I still haven't seen that, by the way. But yeah. Okay. Just started watching it. Um, Want to see fuck it? Fuck, it's depressing. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of yeah. why I haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's good, but like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's the one who directs the handmaids and yes. indoctrinates okay. to the way, okay. the way of thinking. So yeah. she's quite, she can be quite nasty. Yeah, she was in like, the, um, she was in the leftovers as well. Interestingly, uh, the series, um, and she was part of a cult in that as well. Um, right. For, so I kind of remember. She does um, Zealot very well. Yes. Oh yes, yes, she does. Cool. So, yeah, so that's her. Um, so we are introduced to her, as I said, um, and she, uh, this is a, 
um, basically at this, the same kind of self-help group that's set up for those that have lost someone. And we have Annie parked outside, but she chooses not to go in. But she, uh, Joan appears at her, the door of her car and uh, gives, kind of gives her a bit of a sob story about losing her son and grandson to kind of yeah. lure in. This is, this is the bait that she's luring to kind of go, you know, I, I know your plight. I know how you're feeling. Um, this is where also we, uh, she goes, Annie goes back to Joan's house for the first time and she notices that there's a doormat um outside with Joni's name on it and she kind of says oh my 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 mother used to make ones like that mm. okay and that's the first kind of clue um yeah and that was what I was going to look up too there's a bit early on I'm backtracking but there's a bit early on where Peter's at um um at school and he's talking and the teacher's talking about Heracles and the myth behind Heracles um and something and I don't know much about the Greek mythology enough, but there's something implied there where Heracles stuff's happening around Heracles, and if he if he stopped to really look at what was going on, he'd be able to see stuff transpiring around him. And this is right. what the lecture is about. And this is essentially the core of what's happening with this family. If they actually kind of took a step back and took a look at the bigger yeah. picture, they go, "Oh, there's stuff that's at foul at play." But they're so yeah. absorbed in their own worlds that they fail to see what's happening and this is why this is a tragedy waiting to unfold because of that um and i thought that was actually quite a nice touch but and i was meant to look at that look that up and see if that was actually born out of truth or not but that's um, i found it interesting anyway that the, uh, the uh, lecturer was talking about that so anyway we're back at annie's and the other thing that i picked up at annie's uh sorry not at annie's at joni's um the other thing i picked up is that she's drinking this tea and she she spits something out of her mouth and puts it um you know, puts it down aside and we don't, it's really unclear what it is, but I wondered if that was something that they were trying to use to kind of, um, uh, some kind of drug to kind of put her under a little bit, or I don't know. Okay. I, I just thought it was a bit of a, it, it was, it was there for a purpose. Yeah. yeah. So, Cause it really focuses on it. Like you see her look at right. whatever it is and I'm like, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, then we have the, uh, there's a scene later following that where it's basically the dinner scene where they, you know, the, the family's becoming even more unhinged and this is where the fight kind of happens at dinner time. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, Peter basically just says, just, you just blame me. You just got to blame me, you know, and, and he just unleashes. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I always forget the husband's name, but the husband basically said, tell Steve. Him, yeah, Steve. Thank you. He basically just says, all right, that's enough. Put a lid on it. Go. And she walks off. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then we see Joan arrive. Uh, uh, this is the bit off, outside the store that I was talking about. So this is where Joan, yeah. Joan is coincidentally there at the same time as Annie. And she talks about this medium who has uh, presented her dead grandson to her. And Annie's a bit skeptical, but she com- um, Joanie convinces her to come back. And she basically kind of shows this instance where uh, using a glass kind of, you know, that the, she's able to move the glass. And then we see the chalk kind of writing stuff out. Uh, yeah. I think it was like, I love you grandma or something like that. Um, so uh, she's leading, we're led to believe that it's the grandson here, but it's actually Paimon that's doing it. The devil, no, not the devil, the demon. Demon. Um, in, so it's him that's working this to kind of get uh, Annie in a certain state of mind. 
that night, Annie has a nightmare about um, her son, and she sees his head kind of bashed in and eaten by ants. Um, and she, this is then has it's like a dream within a dream because she wakes up, she's actually still dreaming, and she goes and tries to tell um, Peter about um, that she wanted to miscarry. And did everything, yes. everything she could to try and not have him as a baby, and she's like, yeah. and he's like, why are you trying to kill me? And this is where she sets fire to him, yeah. um, and then she wakes up um, yeah. properly, and so this is basically her nightmares, kind of uh, are echoing her guilt, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's it. What you know, she's always kind of, and and it's also um, implied that she's tried to do this before when sleepwalking in the past where she tried to kill her kids. Like she woke up, uh, I think she mentions it to Joni and she woke, she woke up basically Dallas in petrol and did, yeah. her, fr- her, her two kids in petrol and literally what woke her up was the striking of the match. Um, so there's a reason like why is she trying to do this? This is kind of argued why she has done this, but a theory is, is that subconsciously she knows that fighting she yeah. to stop the demon um, from yeah. entering into our world. She needs to kill her her kids before it happens um so and then annie goes uh, so then we cut to the next scene where annie ha- wakes up peter and stephen and basically tells her to come downstairs to kind of look at the next kind of conjuring trick essentially of payment and she believes charlie's spirit is in the house um and they kind of peter's with uh, yeah peter's willing to go along with it charlie's uh, sorry stephen's a bit reluctant uh but then you know presence is made and you know uh paymon kind of uses his trickery to kind of convince the family um uh, and then he takes over annie at the very end of this where um annie goes into a trance essentially um as charlie so she talks as charlie and people mm. um, and people question what's going on here so the, the big thing to remember is at this point Payman still has control of Charlie's spirit. He's inside Charlie's spirit, which is why he's able to kind of present himself as Charlie. And we hear the whole kind of, you know, that knock sound she does with her, her mouth, that kind of. Yeah. Click, the clicking. Yeah, the yeah, click. yeah, yeah. So every time we hear that, that's not Charlie's spirit. That's well, it is, but it's Paymon inside Charlie's spirit. Mm. Um, so whenever we hear that, um, so this is what's happening here. And the only way that Annie's broken out that trance is that Steve throws water over her face. Water over, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, then uh, this next, so with this is, I guess that's kind of like the midway part of the second act because the next bit is where Annie finds the truth out about Joan. Um, she goes to the house again because she starts getting a little bit suspicious of what's going on. And this yeah. is where she finds these the stuff inside the house that is indicating that something's not, um, as it should be. She goes back to her own house and she finds um, in the boxes uh, all these kind of other kind of stuff about spiritualism. Uh, there's a book about uh, Paymon in there as well. Um, and uh, in that are photos of Joan with her mum. So, yeah. And this is where she goes, oh, fuck. So something's, something's really at, at, at play here. Um, at the same time, she's at, uh, Peter's at school and this is where he he gets possessed for the first time and yeah. he, he basically um, is at school he's there and he sees in his reflection he sees himself smiling back at him but this is actually Paymon entering his own body and we see the yeah. same kind of lights that happened just before yeah. 
and this is where he takes over him and he and he basically smashes his head into the into yeah, the, uh, the desk, busting his nose. Yeah, yeah. Just before that, in the lead up to that as well, we also see uh, Joan outside of the school, um, and she basically shouts, "I expel you, Zantony, Dagdony, Aparagon, Peter, get out!" And this is basically make her chant is making room for Paymon to enter Peter's body. Yeah, I'm not really sure who the other names are, but I'm wondering if they're his guardians, and that's by saying that. Because in oh, okay. terms, you do have, we're supposed to all have guardians. Yeah, right. Um, and maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. I, that's just my own theory. I, I, that could be, take that with a grain of salt. It's not written anywhere that I've read mm. about. Um, so then, but then we cut back to, uh, Annie who she starts to try and take control of the situation. She tries to burn Charlie's drawing book cause she thinks yeah. that's the object, the which yeah, yeah. The, the figure is trying to possess people. She tries to burn it in the fire, but her arm catches fire. Um, so mm-hmm. she has to retrieve the book. Um, she then also goes up into the attic and this is where she finds her mum's dead body uh, yes. in the corner also decapitated um yeah. and um we see the seal of paymon drawn on the wall with blood she starts to freak out she goes downstairs and then she tries to kind of tell the story to uh, to um Stephen? to Stephen, who's returned home with peter um from pit from his point of view from uh, Stephen's point of view he's basically seen uh annie who has lost her mind yeah. Her son, who's also losing his mind, and he's just trying to protect his son. Yeah. Um, so he puts uh, Peter to bed, and in the meantime, he's just listening to what Annie's saying. And it's like, because to her, him, she's just ranting. Yeah, um, yeah. And she's talking about the dead body up in the thing. Um, and he goes up in the attic, he goes up, finds the dead body, comes back down. He's now thinking that she's the one that has she dug did. up the body and stuck it up there. Who put the body up there? Was it oh, the, the cult body? did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and so um, then we kind of, uh, she's trying to tell him about the book and it needs to be burnt. And he can't, as she can't do it because if, if she doesn't. She'll it, burn. Yeah. She'll burn and she just can't go through with that. She knows at this point she tries, she wants to sacrifice herself, but she hasn't got the conviction to throw the book in herself. So she's yeah. asking Peter to do it. He at this point says, I've had enough. This is bullshit. Um, so she just throws the book in anyway. Yeah. At which point Steven bursts into flames. Um, I thought there was a bit of a cop out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, I agree with you, but at this point from a, from a story point of view, Steve has served his purpose. He's no longer relevant to what circumstances. Yeah. Are, yeah. Right. So, they need to get rid of him somehow. So yes, it's a cop out, but that's how they choose to do it. Um, yeah, so for story, yeah, like I say, from a storytelling point of view, yes. But yeah. from a in in game point of view, yes. it's a bit like change, the demons are changing the rules. So that's bullshit. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so oh, and at this point, this is when uh, she's also taken over completely by Paymon at this point as well. Yes. Uh, with the shock, because as soon as she hits that shock of what's just happened. That's his window in. He goes, right, weakness, click, got you. Um, then we have Peter waking up, and he goes downstairs, and he sees the burnt remains of his dad. In the background, well we see um, we, we see the um, 
uh, nude man crawling across the the wall. Um, we see we see the mum crawling across the wall in the background. Was that, is that later? Is that downstairs or is that later in his bedroom? That's downstairs. Oh, so I missed the point. Upstairs, something happens, does it? Does he wake up or something? And then you don't know. It's a weird wide mm. shot from side on. Yes. And she gets up. She moves, and you you haven't noticed that she's been there the whole time or something. Yeah, it's so that's a good right. shot. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. That's and she's right. scrambling around like fucking. Um, Regan from the from the Exorcist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Sorry, that's in the room that that happens. That's yeah. right. And in the background, yeah. you see a crawl across the room. Then he goes down, finds the dead body of his dad, and it pans up, and she's up on the ceiling behind him. Yeah. Uh, he turns. He turns around and sees a naked dude in the doorway. <laughs> so again, and it's at this point you're like, uh, "You're making shit up, aren't you?" Yeah. <laughs> Horizon, so this this thing here, right? So the weird thing about this, and this could have probably been done in a different, in a better way, because he's lit in a way that's similar to the way that the ghost figure of of Granny appeared earlier on. So you kind of think, is that a spirit that we're seeing? Yeah. But it's not. It's actually a person there. It's one of the cult members that's in the room um, because he's there <laughs> because they know that Paymon's about to en- enter the the real world, and um, so the cult <laughs> are starting to form around. Um, from our point of view, it's a weird yeah. naked ghost in the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, can you check on the kid? Is he yeah. there? Yeah. Why are you naked? Uh, don't know. Um, this is naked Wednesdays. Uh, <laughs> Barry, for the last time, <laughs> you don't have to be naked oh. during the possession ceremony. Yeah, oh. but I can't. Oh. Oh. There's no rule that says you can't. Yeah, but maybe don't. You know, it's just fucking weird, bro. One time. One time we can make a sacrificial... Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you're saying I can't be naked? Yeah, I just look. Yeah, we're up trying to bring the devil into the world, but do you have to make it fucking weird? But Bro. Barbara's naked. Barbara's naked. Yeah, well, look, yeah, yeah, that's different. It's Barbara, okay? And Steve. And Steve. Yeah, well, I, oh, I didn't know Steve, but still, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but anyway, naked dude in the doorway. Um, yeah. And this is where he. F- freaks out mum jumps down i think to try and attack him he runs away climbs up the attic yes. for some reason closes the door she comes along uh, along and then head and starts bashing her head against the the door of the attic um, yes. this is the scene you often saw in the trailer that snippet of that kind of real fast kind of crazed manic thing um yeah. cool shot but yeah um so he's up in the do- in the attic this is where he finds that the body is no longer there of grandma but the silhouette is still there we can see the dust Formulas all around there, candles are lit, the blood patterns on the wall. He turns around and sees loads of naked people around near him. Um, and I think he then looks up and he sees mum hovering in the, in the sky, trying to decapitate herself. Yeah, with piano wire. Okay. Piano wire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he freaks out, jumps out the window. Yes. Down, knocks himself unconscious on the ground. At what point? At that point, uh, we also hear the sound effect of Annie's head hitting the ground, um, yeah. where she's fully completed task of decap- decapitating herself. Um, and so she's no longer of requirements. And this, at this point, Paymon has taken control of Peter uh, because yeah. Peter's unconscious um, and wakes up sees decapitated mum floating up into that outside kind of uh, treehouse thing that 
was yeah. used as a bit of a retreat at points. He goes up inside and there's a bunch of naked people and other people kind of bowed down in front of uh, this kind of uh, figure or statue um, with a crown on its head. Um, and there's also a framed picture of Grandma saying Queen Lee. Um, and this is there where it's indicating that she uh, had already, she'd been married to uh, the demon, essentially. So she'd given herself in yeah. marriage to him. Um, is it Charlie's severed head under the crown? It's not, Char- it's not Charlie. Uh, oh, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I know that uh, there are two uh, decapitated bodies in front of her. Yes. Yes, yes. In front of the statue. One is grandma, one is mum. Mum, yep. Um, and on that note, so this is where I was just navigate quickly away to see my notes because where was that? Where have I written that? Uh, apparently, uh, Paymon is seen earlier on in the book where the picture of him on a camel or a horse or something, and next to him is a bag and it's got three severed heads in there. Um, so obviously, the, the heads being uh, grandma. Charlie and Annie. So he's got the three heads that he needs to then kind of enter the world. Um, good and proper. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so basically, oh yeah. So then Joan kind of comes up. So she's there and yeah. uh, she basically comes to him and says to him, um, Charlie. So he's addressing Charlie. So obviously, Again, going back to what I said, so Paymon at this point isn't manifested yet. He's about to become manifested. He's still in the spirit of Charlie, who is now possessing Peter. So she says, Charlie, you're all right now. You are Paymon, one of the eight kings of hell. We have looked to the northwest and called you in. We've corrected your first female body and give you now this healthy male host, which so it needs to be a male host. For some reason, um, we reject the Trinity and pray devoutly to you, great Paymon. Give us your knowledge of all, of all secret things. Bring us honor, wealth, and good familiars. Bind all men to our will as we have bound ourselves for now and ever to yours. Hell, Paymon. And at this point is where Paymon enters the world proper, and this is where the credits roll. So it was supposed to be, yeah, in Charlie. He'd been possessing Charlie from the beginning. Yeah. But it was supposed to be Peter. Again, it explains why Tony Collette tried to kill Peter in childbirth. Yeah, because it always needed to be a male host. And this goes back to uh, Annie, Tony Collette's character, her brother who committed suicide because that's what his mum was, his grandma was trying to do to him, was trying to get Paymon inside his body to resurrect Paymon. And he killed himself to stop it from happening. Oh, the brother, oh, the husband or the... the no, the, the brother. So what Tony Collette's brother, yeah, right, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. 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 And, it's, yeah. and it's indicated that granddad, who we never see, uh, starved himself because he didn't want to be a part of it anymore and just kind of yeah. trying to stop things from happening too. Yeah, there you go. End of the movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. So... I guess, like, so when did you watch this one with me or no? No, I, I watched it with the, the Mrs. Years Later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't see it when it first came out, no. No. All right. So um, what what was your first inst- uh, reaction from when you first watched this movie? 
Yeah, I was like, yeah, I could see both. I remember hearing people loving it, and then the people who did see it was like, eh. I think it was interesting that you said that it had come out quite a while here later, which doesn't normally happen now anymore. And I think a lot of Australians were, who were into horror films watched it were yeah. hit by overhype because uh, I remember Ben Skinner yeah. being a bit, nah, um, and you're, you're a bit, nah, I'm a bit, nah. Um, it's like it's, yeah, because we expected the next Shining. Having said that, when I first saw The Shining, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so because I think any film can be, most it's easy once a film is out, once a film is hyped, yeah. it very can very easily be overhyped. Yes. Uh, having said that, like I, I did see it quite a while after everybody else, so I was like prepared to be like, okay, blank slate, let's see what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then that's off, and then you realize uh, it's a bit slow, it's, it's a bit paced out, and and all these amazing hints that you've talked about. Yeah, I guess if you space them out enough, you start to lose you, you lose focus, you forget. Oh yeah, that symbol was that, and that bit where she's allergic. Yeah, the, yeah, it, she's allergic to nuts. I forgot about that. They precursed that. Oh yeah, that symbol was on the telegraph pole. Well, uh, yeah. Um, so for me, all these amazing stuff that's interconnected because it was so, it is so spaced out and so drawn out, and and caught up in so much melodrama and angst, you can get distracted quite easily. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fairly, uh, it's a fairly uh, lengthy movie for horror films. Like you know, the substantial yeah. being an hour and a half. This is like close two to hours. two hours 10 minutes yeah. so yeah. It's, it's, it's on the longer side and by not not overly long by any stretch but i'm just talking generally yeah. they try and make yeah. films like an hour and a half long so anything that stretches up beyond two hours it's going to have a bit of meat to it yeah. um and and the meat is is well well served in it uh, it's i remember like my reaction came coming out of it i wasn't scared i thought the ending yeah. was, was overblown and far-fetched and yeah. i've I um, but I remember distinctly thinking really cool cinematography, and it was beautifully shot, really nicely. Yeah. The, the framework and it was really really nicely put together. Um, yeah. So um, <laughs> who's messaging you, Miles? Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's because I sent him a message earlier, and I'll 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 explain in a second. Um, yeah. So yeah, look. Um, yeah, so I kind of came out with it thinking this isn't this isn't de- this def- this movie definitely isn't as good as people are making it out to be. But like I said, when I watched it again, I just was like, oh, actually, it's it's a bit better. It's still not great, but I think it's better. I think I I put it as like I probably would have given it maybe a six out of ten when I watched it. But wasn't oh, yeah. this time round? I went. Oh no, it's better than that. It's probably an eight out of ten. It's it's it's, it's a better. It's a well crafted movie. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's well put together, and obviously yeah. it's made by an auteur. Yeah, um, and, and people who haven't seen Midsummer, fucking watch it. It's good. Yeah, right. and a lot better. Uh, but yeah, so there yeah, we go. I, yeah, I just, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not genius. I and you know me, I'm more about the writing side of it, and more about yeah how you're telling. What what because nothing too. It's like at the end of the day, it's a witch coven possession of a child story. Yeah. So there's no, there's nothing. Not that it's easy to do, but there's nothing new, nothing insightful, nothing super twisty, nothing really yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could tell it as a uh, episode of uh, one hour Netflix episode of a horror anthology. You could condense all that down. Yeah. Uh, um. So for that, and so because I'm big about the writing, so I'm gonna be like, yeah. Um, and because yeah, cinematography is great, and if you love all that, then yes, it's a genius film. And yeah, yeah, directing and acting, directing, yes, genius film. 
but for me, because I'm all about the writing and the, what the idea is behind it, I'm a bit like, yeah, it's a bit. And and that's the thing too, I guess. When whenever you have, particularly horror, if it crosses over into mainstream and gets awards yeah. and plaudits, yeah. it tends to be thin on the ideas and the because we've seen a lot of horror films, so it yeah. takes a lot. Like, okay, that's different. That's genius. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what yeah. it's thick on, what it's thick on, is great performances, great cinematography, yep. great direction. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it relies uh, on the smoke and mirrors, really, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like and um and I and I agree with you, Ant. I, I actually agree with you one hundred percent and that's why it loses those couple of marks because the the, the 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 scripting isn't as solid as it could have been. Um and I still fall back on that when I've watched it again, I still come back going, Yeah, it's it's not it's not quite there. It's not a it's not a it's not a masterful movie, it's just a very well presented one. Mm. yeah cool man well i think on that note we will bow out of the podcast and uh and uh we've given our our views and dissected and discussed hereditary which you guys rated for best horror film 2018 do stick around for the final of these uh polls that we're doing for this current year 2019 um we're already uh into december um and uh yeah, we're, we're fast looking at the end of the year. So start thinking about those movies that kind of impacts on you because in a couple of weeks' time, we'll put out our, our vote for the, for the best of horror 2019. Until then, I'm your lead host, as always, Sean Worthy, and I was joined by Anthony, the big cheese ye. Goodbye. See you, mate. You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates.